Treasure Island Development Authority Board meeting. Item number one, call to order. Director Sun? Here. Director Dunlop? Dunlop absent. Director Richardson? Present. Director Breston? Preston absent. Director Howard? Here. Director Azim? Azim absent. Director Reif? Present. And we do have a quorum. Okay, thank you. Um, Happy New Year, everybody. This is our first meeting, official meeting of the title board for 2024. Um, we accomplished so much last year in 2023, and there's a full plate ahead of us um, for 2024. Um, but I'm glad to see you all today, and um, we will go ahead with the meeting. Item number two, general public comment. This item is to allow members of the public to address the Treasure Island Development Authority Board on matters that are within the subject matter jurisdiction of the Authority Board and that do not appear on today's agenda. In addition to general public comment, public comment will be held during each item on the agenda. Members of the public may address the board once per agenda item for up to two minutes. You will hear a chime indicating you have 30 seconds remaining and a second chime when your two minutes are up. At this time, your microphone will be muted to comply with city rules and maintain hearing decorum. Directors shall refrain from entering into discussions with speakers during public comment. If members of the public wish to receive a response from TIDA staff, please email tida at sfgov.org and a TIDA staff member will follow up. Case. Any members of the public who wish to speak, you can line up. Are there any members of the public who would like to address the board on non-agenda items? So hearing none, next item please. Item number three, report by Treasure Island Director. Thank you, Directors. Uh, Bob Beck, uh, Treasure Island Director. I'd like to start my report uh, by inviting uh, Nella Gonzalez to come up and give an update on, on one Treasure Island activities. Good afternoon, directors, and Happy New Year. Nella Gonzalez, co-executive director from One Treasure Island. I'd like to start my report uh, with a little synopsis of last year. We uh, ended up serving over 200 families uh, in December through the food pantry and were able to give out extra hams and turkeys to folks for the holidays. We are excited to be gearing up for our uh, for the 2023 tax season, and we'll begin preparing taxes actually February 1st, um, and we'll begin outreach this week. And that is for anybody who makes $65,000 or less. Get your taxes done for free. We hosted a holiday party in December for the community, and we had. Um, a very good turnout along with the pantry. We were able to have holiday bingo and raffle off a 50-inch TV, which was very popular. Uh, so we were excited about that. We had a great turnout. We hosted our first of two series of uh, NERT trainings, Neighborhood Emergency Response Training, this past Saturday. And we're very excited that we had 30 individuals uh, attend the training on Treasure Island. And they will wrap up the training this next Saturday. We are preparing for Black History Month and we're going to have a lunch and learn for Black History where we're partnering with all of the housing providers and the agencies to create exhibits around Black History and share it during the luncheon. 
And last but not least, we're very excited to announce that we have a new staff member at One Treasure Island. We now have a ship-shaped receptionist, so there will be an individual there uh, between 9 and 1 to greet residents and other visitors to the community center. And we're hoping uh, that this will be successful and then we'll be able to extend it to a full-time position. And that concludes my report. Thank you very much, Nella. Um, let's see, we will have any questions or comments from the board. Okay. Um, and thank you again, Nella, for all the good work that One Treasure Island does. Okay, we have comments from the audience. Oh, I'm sorry. Gonna conclude. Yes, go ahead. Uh, uh, also, as part of my report, I wanted to invite uh, Susan Beatty from uh, the Public Library to give an update on uh, the library's programs Great. on yes. uh, Treasure Island. Great. Should I sit at the laptop? Okay. And all right. So, um, good afternoon, directors. My name is Suzanne Beatty, and I'm the manager of Mobile Outreach Services as well as Community Redistribution, a program we run through um, my department. Um, thank you so much uh, for having me here today to tell you about what we did on the island in 2023. Um, I'm not here alone. I'm here with uh, many of my coworkers who are here in the uh, second row. They um, are regular faces on the island and work uh, weekly with um, the community. All right, so without further ado, um, so the San Francisco Public Library has four realms of activities on Treasure Island. We're gonna go over them in the subsequent, subsequent slides. But as you see in this slide, we have a, uh, a weekly stop. We have monthly routes with uh, different activities. We also participate at many of the special events that happened on the island. And we have a, um, an automated book kiosk called the Book Stop. So our weekly stop. This is the stop that serves the whole community. You'll find us um, at the corner of Avenue H and 11th Street every Wednesday from 2 to 6 p.m. Um, we see many regulars, um, individuals, families, groups of kids, um, job corps stops by, tourists, and then San Franciscans who are completing a fun activity that the library put together post-pandemic called the San Francisco Public Library Explorer Map. So they make their way all the way out to Treasure Island, often on the bus, just to get a little sticker from us to put on their map. <laughs> so as you see on the slide, there's some numbers. These are the numbers of um, people that we've um, had come on board, that we've interacted with, as well as our service hours for this particular realm of activity. We have a youth STEM librarian, his name's Michael, and he has partnered with Life Learning Academy to bring fun tech activities to their students. Um, just recently, he led a 3D printer class where he prints objects that the students actually learn how to design in the vehicle. So here's a picture of them going at it with um, learning how to do what they need to do to print an object. He'll bring the software, the program, back to our warehouse where we have the 3D printers. It takes a little bit of time, could take overnight um, to print them out, and then he brings them back. And so they get to see and have the object that they design themselves. So these are small classes with individual attention. So far, we have had four visits, and um, about 25 students came through. Um, the STEM programming just 
started up. He started this back up last year. So we hope to um, make more inroads with other groups um, on the island. So we also have early education outreach. Um, Molly, our children's librarian, who you see reading to, the, to at least one child, but there's a group of them there. Um, she has a monthly uh, bookmobile visit to the Catholic Charities Treasure Island CDC. And this happens during the school year. And she, cur she curates the collection, she supports the teachers and their curriculum, and she also does a story time at each visit. So the kids have a great experience learning about what it means to have a free public library that is accessible to everyone, including them. And it really, um, studies have shown that it really helps to start this young, where as you see, the teachers are leading them onto the bookmobile. She creates, her and the staff create a great environment where they feel important. They get a sticker that says, I visited the bookmobile. And it's the ritual of it really um, is big impact because they are gonna remember that forever that they did this thing where they hand the library card, it gets scanned they get the sticker and they leave with their book. It's, it's really small, but it's really powerful for literacy and democracy. <laughs> so in 2023, the mobile outreach team participated in three on-island um, special outreach events. Um, last year, we um, went to the Pacific Islander Health Fest. That was in April the end of April, um, about 52 visitors came on board and we did a lot of outreach and engagement with the attendees and other organizations at the event. Um, we participated at um, the Juneteenth event. Um, a lot of these we work really closely with Chantel at One Treasure Island. We set up a schedule and, and we work together to, to bring the bookmobile and our services. Um, 153 visitors came um, to the Juneteenth um, event, at least to our bookmobile area, and we redistributed 300 books. So these are free books that they don't have to return. They can become part of their uh, home library. Um, every year we participate on Treasure Island um, for National Night Out. Um, we get requests from all over the city for different um, police precincts to go to their event and we're like sorry we always go to treasure island so we really prioritize being there for the community as being the only library presence really out there at this moment besides the kiosk which we'll talk about in a minute um so in 2024 we've already have four events scheduled um we'll be at the black history month lunch in february spring fling in april juneteenth again and um national night out in august All right, so um, the library's first ever automated book kiosk launched on um, February 18th of last year. Um, at the launch party, the Bookmobile staff gave away um, craft and science kits. Um, they made buttons and set people up with library cards and just taught them a little bit about how to use the kiosk. It's located in the windbreak entrance um, at Island Cove Market, and it's available to access during store open hours. So that would be Monday through Friday, nine to nine, and Saturday and Sunday, nine to eight. And some of some st statistics about the kiosk so far that we've been able to pull. Um, so the collection is maintained by the mobile outreach librarians, and we really endeavor to, to populate it with a diverse collection of high interest, popular, and recently published titles. 
or classics that kind of never go out of um, fashion. And we freshen the collection up every week during our um, Wednesday stop. So um, some of the popular subjects for adults have been cooking, general fiction, and self-help psychology and the occult. That's that subject um, area. And then for youth, so that includes children and teens, is graphic novels, picture storybooks, and juvenile readers. And the numbers, so the total checkouts since February, so from February to December of last year, 184 titles were checked out. And of those 184, they were renewed 216 times. So that, so each title altogether, the total circulation is um, 400 on the nose. Um, and we hope uh, that as more people move onto the island, they get wind of the kiosk and um, come on over and check some, some materials out. Okay, so um, that concludes my report to you, and um, I'm happy to answer any questions, Great. if there are any. Yeah, well, thank you so much, Susan. You know, the library is one of the most important institutions in the city, and for this immigrant child, you know, being at the library was where I learned to read and to develop a really deep love of learning. So it's a really important thing to have access to books. Mm -hmm. And so for all the staff that are here and to you, thank you very much for the service that you provide to thank Treasure Island. Thank you so Island. much. Thank you. It doesn't you. have a neighborhood library, but this fulfills a need. So thank you so much for all of your work. Thank you. Um, well, and I just wanted to add that. Oh, yeah. Go ahead, Linda. Yeah. Linda. Was great, mm -hmm. and looking at all the statistics that you're given, especially now you have that STEM, you know, program. It's actually taking things to the community, and that to me is extremely, uh, very impressive. And I was recently also to let you know that the San Francisco Public Libraries is a great asset for the people at San Francisco. I was recently at the Correct, and I'm looking. Commissioner for 2024, that when we need to really take the information about this development, you know, to the mainland, we might be looking at hosting events at the correct. So mm. it would be really great. They have this nice auditorium. It's been revived, you know, revitalized, and it's really very accessible, and your staff are really, really very great. So thank you again for thank the you. Keep in touch with us about that. Thank you. And I'll just add, as somebody whose childhood library was a bookmobile, uh, the, the memories do stick with you. So thank you again. Great. That's yeah. lovely to hear. Thank you. Yeah. Um, next, I wanted to say a few words. Um, you know, we've, we've done a lot of work with One Treasure Island over the years uh, to try and incorporate equity into what we're doing on Treasure Island. Um, the, the island, uh, uh, given its uh, physical constraints with access and, 
and other things presents some unique challenges. And central to the Treasure Island Development Program is is not just building 8,000 homes and 300 acres of parks, but making sure that we build a community that functions. Um, and uh, to, to build on that and to uh, incorporate some of the work that is occurring citywide on, on the subject of equity, we've uh, instituted a work order with the planning department to bring on some additional part-time staff to work with us. And I was going to invite Anne-Marie to come up and say a few uh, words about uh, that work. Uh, thank you very much, Director Breck, for that. Um, we're, we're very pleased to be launching this equity program uh, in support of and in partnership with One Treasure Island. And the work of uh, One Treasure Island and Tida on this aspect is uh, not just work for us alone, but it's the whole city's work. And it's part of the city's vision to realize Treasure Island as a diverse and thriving community. So we're pleased to have the staff from the planning department uh, joining us as the redevelopment of the island is an ambitious and innovative project. We're creating a neighborhood that has been um, committed to inclusivity and sustainability. And our ongoing and high quality community engagement will be critical to the success. We'll need to not only integrate our neighborhood's infrastructure into the larger city of San Francisco, but also assist the community in advocacy and building cohesion. Just as we're advancing the public transportation options, activating and caring for our open spaces, easing the challenges of relocation, and laying the groundwork for an economically robust set of islands, we must do this while recognizing and addressing rising social disparities uh, on Treasure Island, but across the United States. Naming uh, these disparities help us, helps us to lessen them and make improvements to the daily life of people, especially during this time of construction and transition. Our new equity program is approaching these um, through this two-year program with the planning department. Uh, we've got a community development specialist joining us, as well as a planner, and three of Tida's staff under the full direction of Director Beck. The project will build on decades of community building efforts and uh, equity research by our community partner, One Treasure Island, and other city agencies. And this work will touch on eight project areas, transportation, community engagement and development, near-term activation, retail, public realm and open space planning, community facilities and phasing, and an equity analysis. For a general timeline, you can expect from this winter time through spring, we'll host a series of transition talks, which are conversations with Treasure Island and Yerba Buena Island residents to design an equity assessment protocol. The first of this um, transition talks will be uh, at our Saturday open house on January 20th with Supervisor Dorsey, and more about that in a moment. From there, from the in the spring into the fall, we will start our priority projects, including the near-term retail and space activation, community engagement and cohesion building, and transportation access. From the fall to the winter, we will enter phase two, uh, which is the annual equity assessment and developing a roadmap for continuing equity work into the future. 
So with that overview, I'd like to invite you and members of the public to join us at our first Treasure Island Transition Talk. This will be an open house uh, for all residents to share their perspectives on the development updates that we'll share, the transportation plans that we'll discuss, and the community building efforts. Um, this is being done in partnership and with the leadership of Supervisor Dorsey, who will be there to kick off the day. One Treasure Island, the Transportation uh, County Authority, and Tima, the playing staff, and of course, uh, your Titus staff. So please join us uh, Saturday, January 20th from 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. to learn more about who we are and how we can work together to meet the needs of the people that live here today. Thank, thank you, uh, directors. Um, I also wanted to highlight a couple of uh, um, unfortunate things this past month that are this in, included in the board package. Um, some of you may have seen coverage uh, on New Year's Eve. There was uh, a fireworks accident on the island, uh, which resulted in the death of a, a young adult. Uh, he, he was not a resident of the island, but was visiting the island, and, and uh, unfortunately, um, had an accident with some fireworks and, and uh, lost his life. Also, uh, on New Year's Eve, uh, the Treasure Island Museum um, uh, reported that their longtime board member and benefactor, uh, Claire Isaacs Warhafting, uh, passed away. Um, and so that's uh, a, a big loss to, to the Treasure Island Museum as well. Um, some items at the Board of Supervisors this past month. Uh, we have new security cameras that have been were installed on the uh, ferry landing facility, and uh, we're incorporating those under uh, the city administrator's uh, surveillance technology policy. Um, this is a, a, a process that has been established by the Board of Supervisors. Uh, for any departments utilizing surveillance uh, technology equipment to, that they, they needs to go through a uh, uh, process of uh, identifying the, the location, the purpose, the uses, et cetera. Um, also, the, the Navy master leases were, were heard uh, this morning at the, the Board of Supervisors. Um, last month, we uh, discussed the impending CFD and IRFD bond sales. Uh, those uh, <clears throat> were priced on December 14th and raised $22.5 million to support the development of Treasure Island. Uh, we had a total of four institutional uh, bond funds uh, participate in the sale in the sales, uh, which yielded $14.5 million in proceeds from the C Community Facilities District and $8 million in proceeds from the in Infrastructure Revitalization and Financing District. Um, of that $8 million, $1.3 will be dedicated to new affordable housing development on the island. Um, the the uh, interest rates were um, 5.49% for the CFD and for the IRFD, 5.48%. Uh, um, there was uh, some favorable uh, comments out of the Fed and, and on the markets in, in the days immediately preceding uh, the sale, which, which resulted in us yielding 
uh, roughly half a million dollars more than our most conservative estimates for what the bond sale would yield. So that was uh, uh, good news. Uh, the sales closed on the 21st, and the proceeds will be used to reimburse TICD uh, for qualified project costs, including uh, geotechnical work, permitting fees, and pre-development costs. Um, staff has also been working with uh, the operators of the Treasure Fest to plan for the return of the Treasure Fest next month uh, on February 24th. Um, also included coordination with Little League to plan for weekends when there will be both Little League games and uh, the Treasure Fest happening, uh, happening concurrently. Um, the operator has also begun the pre-sale of tickets for the, for the February 24th event. Um, the, uh, <clears throat> uh, the San Francisco Arts Commission has issued an RFP for uh, proposals for an art installation in Cityside Park, and those proposals will be due in, in March. Uh, the Treasure Island Arts Steering Committee is coordinating with uh, Arts Commission staff on, on that item. Um, also, uh, I'd mentioned previously that Tide had issued an RFP for um, uh, unarmed security patrol of buildings and grounds on Treasure Island and YBI. Um, there were three receiver, three proposals uh, received that were found to meet minimum qualifications. Those have been evaluated and, and oral interviews are expected to occur uh, late January, early February. Um, on the housing front, um, we anticipate having uh, a number of um, activities coming up. Um, as I'll, I'll go into a little bit more detail in the regular agenda, uh, we've uh, the um, first building to provide replacement housing for Homerise residents has been approved for pre-development funding, and we're planning a couple of events for Homerise residents to meet the de the design and development team for that, um, and to learn more about uh, that that upcoming development. Uh, we'll also be planning uh, open house events for uh, home uh, sorry, Catholic Charities residents and uh, Villages residents in uh, anticipation of the um, completion of Starview Court and the relocation of, of um, roughly 100 uh, households into that uh, building. Uh, we've also are coordinating uh, meetings between uh, the housing authority and residents who in market rate housing who have Section 8 vouchers to ensure that uh, their uh, vouchers are, are appropriately sized for their households um, if there's any review that's needed there. Uh, so again, we'll be scheduling those. We, we have a number of events scheduled uh, already February 1st and February 3rd. Uh, with Homerise residents uh, February 21st with Catholic Charities and Villages residents, and we'll be uh, incorporating these in the schedule as we go forward. And that uh, concludes my report. Thank you. Thank you. Um, are there any um, other comments by board members? Yes, please, I just okay. have... Um, go ahead, Linda. Thank you, Mr. Beck, for the presentation on the DDA... Um, TICD, what's going on? Um, I've been touching that on the 
sorry, turn my microphone on. Um, I'll m touch on that a little bit in my report. We have been working on um, some amendments to the DDA with, in partnership with the Office of Economic and Workforce Development. Um, our primary focus in, in those amendments is to uh, improve the, the, the flow of public financing reimbursements to the developer to ensure uh, you know, the continued sustainability and viability of the program. Um, and uh, we're working uh, to draft and, and finalize uh, change, potential changes to the DDA um, and expect to um, bring that to the board probably uh, informationally next month um, and uh, as well as, as planning for introduction to the Board of Supervisors. And so, and we'll open it up to the public for any questions or comments. Seeing none, yeah, item same. number four, communications from and received by TIDA. Okay, was there any comments by the board on communications? Okay. Yeah, thanks for the, um, the packet on the communications. I thought it was great. Um, overview of the various um, news items out there. I'm just curious if we could get links to the actual um, publication, you know, where it came from. That would be great. I didn't see that in the packet, if that would be possible. But that's it. But thanks for putting, pulling all that together. That was great. Yeah, and uh, the, thanks. We, we should be able to include links. And I want to acknowledge uh, Bree Constance Huffins, who's our our PIO who just joined us uh, in November, and that's result of her work and and uh, uh, you know improving the quality of of our reporting out on that. That's excellent. Good. Um, so, hearing um, no other comments and from the public, none. Um, so, next item, please. Item number five: ongoing business by board of directors. Yes. Um, I have some items, um, Bob, if we could um, put it on a calendar for you to give us some information at some point in time. Um, I understand that the PUC is um, building a new facility um, and that there's the opportunity for artwork um, with that work that is being done. Um, I believe that they have submitted to the Arts Commission but have not Actually, we at TIDA have not seen what has been submitted. Um, but in preliminary discussions, um, it seems like uh, it, it would be important for them to have coordination with Treasure Island Development Authority on their facility. And just as an example, you know, what was um, shown, and it was a very uh, um, perhaps imprecise uh, rendering, but um, it, would, it caused some concern, um, particularly by the landscape architect, CMG, that they did not understand the context of where that facility was going, um, being in the northeast sector of the island where we have, um, which will eventually be um, wetlands and um, a focus on native habitat. As an example, they had, mirror, they had a mirrored wall I believe on some of their um, panels, which would perhaps cause some problems with birds that are flying through. Um, so I think having coordination with our staff, 
coordination with our landscape architect and then bring that to our board, I think would be very important. Um, and and I, I don't really understand why the artwork that is going there is not part of the arts master plan. We do have a Treasure Island arts master plan. Um, and I think this project has been exempt from that. Um, it's going through other processes in the city uh, certainly through the Arts Commission, but the Arts Commissioners may not, in fact, be aware of the particular um, um, environment that is here on Treasure Island. So I'd like for you to look at that and then um, report back to us, perhaps make sure that we are in the loop for what's happening with that facility. Um, the other thing I wanted to ask you is I'm glad that there is a security camera that is going to go um, at the tr uh, ferry um, landing. And I'd like to know, um, are we planning to put security cameras in the open spaces, the parks that we are opening up um, soon? And particularly the art, any of the art um, sculptures that we have, how is that going to be monitored? Um, so that's another question I have for you for um, a little, um, at, at the time that you're able to report back on that. Thank you. Question. Yeah, please. and Linda, go ahead. Yeah, so I had the privilege of taking uh, public transportation to the Treasure Island, and I sell them, but it was really great to try to see how things are set up. And at some point, I think we should have the SFMTA to come out so we can really look at the stops. And I was particularly concerned because, you know, for the disabled, for the elders, uh, Treasure Island, and especially after a certain time during the day, today, around five o'clock, where we're still in construction, there's no street light, and also the signs. And it might be time for us now to, you know, begin it to really, I would really love to look at where the transportation stops are. And especially around some of the ship shape and some of those public places. So it was an adventure and so I would like to discuss that. So we can help the residents and also visitors to Treasure Island. I know we are undergoing development, however, we are also inviting people to visit the island, to, you know, ferry. Once they get or through public transportation, it's the best way to get there now, and it should be seamless. So thank you. Thank you for that, Linda. Um, are there any comments from the public? Hearing none, next item, please. Item number six, consent agenda. Approving the minutes of the December 14th, 2023 meeting. 6B, resolution authorizing the execution of a professional service agreement with Habitat Potential for Natural Area Lands Management Services on Yerba Buena Island. 6C, resolution authorizing the Treasure Island Director to execute amendments of two agreements between TIDA and Langen Engineering and Environmental Services to assign those agreements to Langen, California, a California corporation. So moved. Okay, do I have a second? Um, all those in favor say aye. 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 All those opposed? The ayes have it. Was there any public comment on that item? Being none. 
seeing that next item, please. Item number seven, resolution approving and authorizing the execution of lease number 1509 with affordable self-storage to operate and manage a monthly parking facility located at 9th Street and 7 Seas Avenue, Treasure Island. Um, I, I just want to say a few words of introduction, Rich. Um, as we've uh, prepared for the completion of Starview Court and the relocation of residents into uh, Starview Court, um, we, between Catholic Charities and the villages, we may have as many as 100 households from the, that currently reside on the island moving into new units within Starview Court. Um, most households on the island uh, have historically relied upon automobiles, but Starview Court will have uh, roughly 20 parking spaces uh, internal to the building available to residents. And so uh, while the development plan for Treasure Island calls for uh, frequent and robust transportation services, including AC transit service and weed a ferry service, not all of those services are here today. And so um, we have uh, developed a proposal to create a surface parking lot. And this would be a, a, a parking lot that would be available for a li limited period of time um, that uh, where residents of Starview Court or Maceo May Apartments could rent parking spaces if they don't have access to one within the building. Um, and uh, uh, Rich has worked with uh, one of our on-island businesses to develop a proposal for operating in that. Um, the, uh, 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 and I'll let Rich uh, take it from there. Good afternoon, Madam Chair. Um, President uh, Rich Rivetti, Treasure Island Development Authority. Um, here this afternoon, as Bob indicated, uh, requesting approval of lease number 1509 with affordable self-storage to operate and manage a monthly parking facility located at 9th and 7 C's. The Treasure Island Development Project uh, plans for a, a transit-oriented community that supports a car-free, car-light lifestyle. Further, in developing affordable housing in San Francisco, whether on Treasure Island or elsewhere, the city's practice is to provide limited on-street, on-site parking relative to the number of units being constructed. In February 2023, Maceo May Apartments, Treasure Island's first 100% affordable development project was completed and achieved 100% occupancy in August of 2023. The second 100% affordable development project, Starview Court, is scheduled to be completed in June 2024. Additional market rate developments, Isle House and Hawkins, are also slated to be completed in 2024. The first slide that I'm showing you is just is the Maceo May to the left and Starview Court uh, to the right. You can see the, the two projects that are there just to give you a perspective of the on-site uh, parking that's currently available, the street parking that's there, and cars are sort of cluttered on the streets, and you can kind of gives you a little bit of a, of, a, of, a, of a look into what folks are doing currently. Many of Maceo May residents re relocated from former uh, Navy housing units on Treasure Island. Star, as Bob, uh, Director Beck, uh, indicated earlier, Starview Court is a 138-unit building with as many as 100 units potentially being occupied by households currently residing on island in units leased from Catholic Charities or the villages of Treasure Island. Given historic 
and existing transit services and the availability of free parking, the vast majority of these households have one or more vehicles. Maceo May and Starview Court have, co have a combined less than 40 on-site parking spaces uh, available for its residents. And this shows sort of the current housing stock that we've got from the, from the Navy. And it shows some have garages, some have carports, and then there's plenty of sort of available on-site uh, parking. To address the, the unmet parking demands within Maceo May and Starview Court, authority staff proposes to create a, a temporary 95 parking space facility. The parking facility will be available until December 31st, 2028, as the site is slated to be a future residential parcel within major phase two of the development project. The parking facility is intended to ease the transition of current residents into their permanent homes while transportation services on island expand over time. This slide depicts the current proposed area um, where we're looking at um, creating the, the uh, parking facility. Priority for renting spaces will be given to current island residents relocating into Maceo May and Starview Court. Authority proposes to limit each household to renting one parking space. Monthly fees for parking are proposed to be 150 for residents of Maceo May and Starview Court and 250 for all other uh, users. Authority staff has identified affordable self-storage, existing Treasure Island commercial tenant and operator to manage the facility. Affordable has been in the public parking and self-storage business for over 24 years, and authority staff and, and affordable have negotiated a five-year lease commencing on January 15th, 2024, to operate and manage the 95 parking space facility with a monthly base rent based on a 50% split of net revenues after taxes and licensing fees. Authority will be responsible for all initial improvements, including design, lighting, power, fencing, striping, and all other required equipment. Affordable will assume all responsibility for ongoing maintenance and repairs, management, and all other associated operational expenses. Authority anticipates its cost for developing the parking facility to be approximately $75,000. Under the authority's interim leasing policy, the minimum rental rate schedule sets ranges of minimum lease rental rates per square foot by, by type of use. The leasing policy includes a minimum rental rate of 10 cents per square foot for use of paved land. In lieu of a flat monthly base rent based on land being leased, Staff recommends the authority board approve a monthly base rent based on a 50% split of net revenues. Authority staff considered the following factors in negotiating the rent structure. One, authority proposes to limit cost affordable is able to charge for the parking spaces. Two, the number of residents willing to pay for parking on island is unknown at this time. Three, authority seeks to have affordable commence operations in February while demand is expected to be very low until Starview Court is occupied. And four, affordable expenses related to management and maintenance are anticipated to be relatively fixed and independent uh, of the number of paid parkers. With that, project staff recommends approval of the lease with affordable self-storage, and I'm here to answer any questions you may have. Great. Um, I'm going to open it up to the board for questions and then to the public. Go ahead. Yes. Ms. Howard. Oh, hi there. Um, 
I just had one question. You said um, the priority is to the Maseo May and the Starview Court, and then you said all other users. Who, who would be those other users? The other users could be folks from the Isle House, Hawkins Project, or other um, sort of uh, residents on island that are interested in, in paying for, for parking. Ms. Richardson? Yeah, so thank you. It's interim, so what are the, what are the duration? How the the, the duration is until December 31st, 2028, I believe, is what we, we have the lease until. 2028. Okay. Yeah. Um, the, the development of this site, um, the, the block on which this site sits, uh, extends uh, into uh, north of 9th Street, um, so we will need to... Uh, take additional land from the Navy or receive additional land from the Navy before we will be able to develop this as a block. Um, and so we, we anticipate that uh, that won't occur within the next five years. So the other question, and I know we are very sensitive about parking. Are we, are we going to have, you know, public, permanent public parking to some limitations on the island in the overall development? There, there are two centralized public parking garages proposed in the development plan. Um, uh, those are intended to be primarily for, for visitors to the island. Um, uh, yeah. Um, is there a map to show us exactly where the site is? I, I'm trying to think. It, is it north of the Maceo Main? Yeah. It, yeah. So, so this is at the this is at ninth. And, and seven C's. So um, it's, a, it's a Google map image of the area. And um, if you look to the right of the project, that would be, um, I believe that would be Macy O'May being constructed. So that's the proximity so it's, to it's, where it's close to Maceo. Yes, it's relatively close. close. I mean, it's, a, it's yes. a, a block and a half, two block walk to, to Macy O'May. I, I think that parking has always been a point of contention, certainly when island and people, if they didn't have options to get on and off the island, you know, they rely on their cars. Um, but at the same time, when we, um, when the plan was passed, the master plan was passed for this island, um, to have a, 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 a mix of families, that is 8,000 new families, on the island, you can imagine the impact on the Bay Bridge. And so we were required to do alternative means of public transit and, and to find ways to reduce vehicular traffic and cars on the island. But as we said, the, it, the alternate transit um, connections have not all been put together. Um, and so I understand the in, in the interim, and it is just the interim, um, it, it's, it's good to be able to provide some additional um, availability, particularly if the site is vacant. So I think this is a good idea to do. Um, it's only for five years until 2028. Um, so it is a temporary point, a temporary you know, um, uh, accommodation, and then we can evaluate at that time. So um, I... Thank you very much. If there's no other questions, are there questions from the public? Hearing none, um, where's the pleasure of the board? Could I have a motion or discussion 
on this item. Would somebody like to make a motion to accept? Yeah, and I will make a motion. And I think, yeah, this is another thing we're making available for the resident, that's fine. And also, at some point, I think we also need to discuss because some of the housing are not available. There are already some of the existing tenants that might take maybe in the next five, seven, eight, nine years before they can really make transition. And they all have transportation and families. And I think at some point we need to kind of discuss here how are we gonna, you know, kind of deal with that. Yep, and this because is the transition. Have, yeah, they're already assisting. We are building as fast as we can, but it's gonna take a while and that's the expectation. So they are going to be, some of them may not be able to get to the new building in eight years, which is a reality. So let's talk about that. So I would make an um, approval of this, that's something we make available. And like you said, we don't know how many of the residents will take advantage, but at least it's something that they can uh, utilize and take advantage of if they are able. Okay, um, I, I see um, that Ms. Howard has a question or a comment. Yeah, I do have a question. I'm sorry. Um, so this, this lease with the Affordable Self Storage Inc., that is, we're, we're leasing the, the parking lot from, I'm not understanding the lease well, part of it, and well, then what will, they, what will this Affordable Self Storage Inc. be providing? Is that security so, and such? So, so here's here's the way it'll work. It's, it's the, the the land area. I'll go back to the. Let's see if we have it here. Okay. So the area that's in yellow, the the rectangle, that represents about forty five thousand square feet of of land. Within that, there'll be ninety five parking spaces, and they will they're renting that premises. And they, their responsibility will be sort of policing it, managing the day-to-day, -day, collecting the fees, um, doing all the operational uh, you know, means to make sure that the folks that are parking in each space are you know, the, the appropriate people, et cetera. It'll be a, it'll be a, a keypad uh, um, uh, parking lot where folks will have a, either a code or, or a key card that'll get into it. So they'll administer that whole program. And basically that's what they're, they're getting. Our, our involvement is putting up a fence around it, uh, doing some of the striping, making sure that, that it's lit properly, et cetera. And so it's a good partnership between both sides. It's not gonna be a, a, a large moneymaker for either you know, TIDA or, or the operator just because there isn't, at, at the cost of, of what we're trying to charge, it's not, there's not much there. Great, thank you so much, appreciate okay. it. Um, so do I have a second to the motion? Second. All right. So it's been moved and seconded. All those in favor say aye. 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 Um, all those opposed, the ayes have it. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, you very much, Rich, for that. Item number eight, draft fiscal year 2024 through 2025, tied a budget update. Jamie Krubin, our finance manager, will present this. Good afternoon, TIDA board members. Jamie Krubin, finance manager with TIDA. Um, before we, or as we load the presentation, thank you, Kate. Um, I just want to take a moment to thank uh, the finance administration staff at TIDA, so Diane Alberto and Leanne Hernandez, who are both present today for all of their great work um, in assisting in this two-year budget proposal. 
Um, in terms of the fiscal year 25 proposed budget timeline, I've presented this um, the past um, couple board meetings, but today we're on January 10th, we're here to bring uh, forth the, the draft budget uh, for your review and comment. Um, next uh, title board meeting on February 14th, we'll be bringing the proposed budget for your final adoption um, and approval to submit to the mayor's budget office. We will then hand over our departmental budget to the city administrator's office budget and planning office, and they will um, consolidate our departmental budget into the city administrator's office overall budget, which will be submitted to the mayor's budget office. Uh, that will be in preparation for the controller's office internal deadline to post the proposed budget in March. Um, ahead of the June Budget and Finance Committee hearings um, in preparation for July 1st, uh, when the mayor, uh, mayor's budget office is um, slated to approve the budget, um, or sorry, the Board of Supervisors is slated to approve the budget um, just in time for the fiscal year to start. As I shared before, um, in December, the mayor's budget office did um, present the overall citywide budget instructions. Um, the, the main um, message was that the, the city uh, was projecting a pretty significant five-year um, deficit of approximately $1.35 billion um, in fiscal year 2028. Um, that then spurred the mayor's budget office to ask general fund departments to um, reduce their budgets by 10% for each year with a 5% contingency plan. Uh, given that we are not, TIDA is not a general fund um, department, uh, we are being instructed to solve within our own revenues and within our own budget. Um, and so we are not subject to the 10% um, reduction, but I did just, just wanted to share that was the mayor's overall um, instructions. For the fiscal year 25 and fiscal year 26 proposed budget highlights, uh, for fiscal year 25, um, we're proposing about a $33.8 million budget. Uh, for fiscal year 26, a uh, $39.7 million budget. Um, as a reminder, uh, the budget for TIDA is formatted across three different categories, uh, and this is really to align with certain colors of money, certain sources that are required to pay certain uses pursuant to the DDA. Um, the first uh, category is the authority cost budget. Um, this is uh, costs that are specifically uh, required to be paid for by authority revenues. Uh, that's about $14.6 million. Uh, the second category is what we call the city cost budget. Um, this is, uh, these are a subset of development-related costs that are required to be reimbursed and fully paid for by the developer, TICD. That's about $6.8 million. Um, and the uh, subsidy budget, uh, which covers um, a whole menu of types of expenditures that are required to be covered and paid for by subsidy um, sources pursuant to the DDA. Um, the budget, of course, is an appropriation level, so it establishes a ceiling for expenditure authority, which is typically underexpended. So, for example, in fiscal year 23, um, TIDA's total expenditures were about $4.7 million under budget, or approximately 16%. Um, in this proposed budget, um, 
Titus staff has made two to notable changes, so just wanted to highlight those uh, for the board. The first is that the overall budget um, has been adjusted to better line with prior year actuals. So historically, we've seen, we've adopted a very high budget. We've seen a pretty um, significant margin of savings. And so in order to align uh, with and be more accurate to actuals, um, we're, we're trying to kind of better align um, our proposed budget. Uh, the second is that the authority cost um, category that I referenced, um, that expenditure budget has been revised to align with authority revenues. Uh, so the goal is to solve a balanced budget within the TIDA, the TIDA authority costs um, and revenues. Uh, there are certain uh, reimbursement obligations that I was referencing that are highlighted and um, um, adopted in our DDA. Um, the first is section 19.6, which describes a, describes a payment of shortfall in authority costs. Uh, this is a provision that exists that to the extent TIDA revenues, authority revenues, do not fully cover all a TIDA authority costs, the developers then ask to, su to submit a reimbursement to make TIDA whole. Um, but as I mentioned, uh, the proposed budget actually assumes that TIDA's revenues in their entirety cover all of TIDA's proposed authority costs. So the budget um, proposed before you today does not reflect a shortfall payment from TICD. Rather, it assumes a fully balanced budget. Uh, the second provision um, in the DDA, section 19.8, discusses TICD's obligation to pay city costs. Uh, and so this establishes a process in which the authority gathers quarterly invoices um, that are directly related to development. Um, and each quarter, we prepare invoices, submit them to the developer uh, for their reimbursement, and then the developer then uh, that additional revenue pays for those costs in TIDA's budget. So it, in some ways, it's seen as a bit of a pass-through through our budget. It's covered by external sources. Uh, section 19.2 of the DDA also discusses the budgetary review process. Um, in collaboration with the master developer TICD. So each subsequent year, the authority is required uh, to submit um, our proposed budget to the master developer and offer them a meet and confer um, period where they can ask questions um, and uh, review sort of the projections on the revenue and the expenditure side. Uh, we have shared the draft proposed budget with TICD um, and if they do engage and want to have a formal meet and confer to review the budget, we will obviously make ourselves available for that. Um, I did want to point out that the provision in the DDA um, does state that it is purely a meet and confer process that the uh, title board through your authority to approve the budget as well as the Board of Supervisors authority to adopt the budget um, is in their sole and absolute discretion. Uh, slide seven uh, reviews the summary of proposed uh, revenues uh, for fiscal year 25 specifically. 
Um, the detail of this is in Exhibit B of your packet. It goes through each sort of category um, and the rationale behind each, each uh, proposed figure. But at a high level, um, about 11.6 million um, of the revenues are tied to commercial leases. Um, about $3 million of the revenue is related uh, to residential leasing revenues with the John Stewart Company. Um, as well as common area maintenance fees we receive from our housing providers um, and additional revenues um, that we receive from the Community Facilities District and the IRFD District for certain taxes available to cover administration costs, as well as revenues we receive um, from existing memorandum of agreements with BATA and the County Transportation Authority. Um, the third bullet, as I mentioned, um, uh, has typically in prior budgets shown a shortfall payment coming from TICD. However, because we are balancing within the authority cost budget, we are proposing uh, to budget that as $0. Um, and then the certain development costs um, will be around $6.7 million, again, covered by TICD as a reimbursement. And then $12.6 million of uh, those revenues will come from subsidy costs uh, uh, that are uh, obligated for the developer to pay TIDA pursuant to the DDA. On the expenditure side, um, slide eight shows uh, um, a summary of the authority cost budget. About seven million um, of our budget will cover personnel and administration costs. Um, 1.7 million um, are related to development um, contractual services and approximately six million are tied to tied to operations and maintenance of current um, facilities um, and utilities uh, that are under uh, TIDA's jurisdiction. Under the city cost budget, um, about a $700,000 amount um, is proposed to be tied to building abatement, a um, million dollars for city attorney fees, $5 million for um, certain permitting costs. Um, and for the subsidy budget, um, it's split across a job broker program fee um, that is to cover the job broker program that's administered through One Treasure Island. Um, about $10 million of subsidies are tied to housing development costs, and that's related to um, the direct funding that's provided to MoCD to support affordable housing projects but also um, certain contract services uh, tied to the relocation services, in-lieu payments, moving fees that are related to the transition housing rules and regulations procedures. Um, and then lastly, about 2.1 million is tied to parks and open space maintenance, as well as habitat management um, for the um, new park systems that are coming online as a result of the development. Uh, slide nine is just a summary of really what are the drivers uh, that are pushing growth in our budget. Um, as mentioned, the developer housing subsidies um, historically had not been included in our budget. We've been incorporating um, these subsidies amounts um, in recent years. And so um, a lot of the growth that's in our budget is tied to the fact that we're collecting um, you know, upwards of 10 to $15 million um, in the next coming years for uh, from the developer housing subsidy and then redirecting those funds to the mayor's office of housing in support of um, 
affordable housing development. So that's reflected currently in our budget. Um, also, the maintenance for newly completed parks is also um, reflected in our budget and will continue to be reflected, which could um, be tied and attributed to the growth. Um, it's about $2.2 million per year um, as, as we continue to complete parks and accept parks um, and are in charge for the maintenance and operations of those parks. Um, that line item will continue to grow. Um, and as I also mentioned on the prior slide, uh, transitional housing related fees and costs, uh, particularly tied to the relocation of Starview Court residents, uh, or residents into Starview Court rather. Um, unit turnover is an interim move costs as well as securing and demolishing those newly vacated buildings. That will be a continued um, part of our budget and as those transitions occur, uh, could be an area of growth. Um, and then lastly, is, um, as Anne-Marie Rogers had mentioned earlier in the director's report, we do have a new part-time SF planning staff uh, through a work order with SF planning in support of our equity program. As we continue the budget planning for fiscal year 25, we wanted to highlight certain contractual services that may come to the board uh, related to park planning and operations support. Um, if needed to help on the development side, certain task force or program management support, um, certain contracts that help administer the CFD and the IRFD, for example, um, are up for renewal this year, um, as well as environmental assessment and certain planning studies. The TIDA, uh, proposed TIDA budget continues to support community serving programs. Um, the first is the One Treasure Island contract tied to the Ship Shape Food Pantry, the construction training program, as well as community facilities planning. Um, we continue to support YMC operations, which is free to island residents. Um, continue to support youth participation in the Boys and Girls Club Camp Mendocino program. Um, we also are continuing to um, uh, dedicate funding for after-school program and on-island summer youth programs, as well as a child care center facility maintenance and operating subsidy. Um, we are continuing to support Department of Public Health on-island services through the on-island clinic, as well as traffic management um, required for certain events that we host on Treasure Island related to Fleet Week, 4th of July, and New Year's Eve. That is all I have for you in terms of the presentation, but I'm happy to answer any questions related to the proposed budget. Thank you, Jamie. Um, it's, uh, this is the first time we've had this detail of um, a budget presentation this year, so um, we're still absorbing this, and I'm glad that there's no action required until February. That's right. So we still have time to review this, ask you questions if we need to, um, and then be able to act in February. So um, with that, I'd like to open it up to the directors. Ms. Howard first, yes? Oh, I, that was from, oh, from okay, Ms. Richardson. Well, thank you so much, and I have um, some questions here for you probably for our director. So, this budget, the draft, you know, budget is as the assumption is that um, for the title staff salaries, actually a slight reduction in 2025, right? 
because you did that. So the baseline for 24, a slight reduction there. Um, why? I think Jamie can speak to that. Yeah. Sure, I can. I have so, to answer that. So the the adopted 2024 budget, um, I believe, showed at the time of adoption, um, showed an estimate for salaries and fringe benefits um, based off of an expected FTE count. I think of of 15 FTEs. Um, we have since uh, worked closely with the city administrator's office that oversees our salaries and fringe benefit um, budget. And uh, the, the 2025 fiscal year and 2026 fiscal year numbers are directly from their budget staff. Um, and that is tied to, I think, 14 FTEs, um, which are currently active or posted to be filled this fiscal year. Um, so it's not, um, it's not a reduction um, in our current staff. It's just sort of a refinement um, using more accurate figures from the city administrator's office. Okay. So that segue to the next... Um the other professional services, what are you talking about there? What, for example, and I'm asking because you actually listed a lot of the personnel and administration. So just a little summary, what are the uh, prof you know, professional services that are not listed? Just Sure. So, um, and I know there's there's a lot of materials before you. So, sure, if you sure. if you look at the proposed um, profe other professional services line, mm -hmm. um, if you pull up your Exhibit C package on page three, okay, um, there is a breakout of the summary of what the 1.19 million dollars um, intends to cover, um, and that is uh, about. 340,000 of that is related to the YMCA um, operating contract, um, as well as um, a, a small um, amount that's tied to ongoing maintenance, um, as well as the Camp Mendocino program that I had mentioned, um, the security services contract that um, Director Beck alluded to um, earlier in his director report um, is tied to about 725 of that is, is as a result of that new contract. Um, and then we have about 50,000 um, reserved for potential marine salvage if needed, given that we do oversee Clipper Cove. Um, and then the 65,000 for other professional services contracts is uh, further delineated on the top of page four um, related to possible costs of signage, interpretation and translation services, um, departmental work orders tied to certain internship programs, um, as well as uh, possible um, portable restrooms, messenger service, audio service, sort of a miscellaneous um, list of, of smaller professional service contracts. Okay, so uh, Director uh, Beck, you know, we've spoken extensively about having a dedicated staff how are we treating housing issues internally uh, with this you know, budget? Because as I look at the personnel administration, this is to 2026, I couldn't deduce uh, what the probabilities are for us to be able to have a dedicated, what we've talked about before. Any provisioned uh, probabilities in this budget to address that ongoing matters? Um, well, currently we, we've been managing the, the housing transition efforts um, in-house, primarily with myself and Lorraine Lee, 
Lorraine Lee from our leasing staff, um, and then uh, relying upon uh, support from uh, Natalie Bonowit, uh, Bonowit Consultants uh, on the planning side for the affordable housing, and also, uh, sorry, in, in planning for the affordable housing development side, also in, on the internal staff is Joey uh, uh, from our, our vertical uh, project manager. Um, and then on the, uh, and then also relying upon the, the support from uh, associated right-of-way services. Um, and that's what, that, that balance of uh, myself, Lorraine, uh, and Joey with support from uh, ARWS and Bonowit is what's anticipated in, in, the, in the budget here. Okay, okay. And I'm gonna look into that. Okay, keeping going uh, here. And so now we are um, at the development. Uh, so services provided by SFCTA uh, Timmer, that's still ongoing. I, where is the item or cost to, um, the amount that I actually saw um, was you know, very low. It has to do with the operations and maintenance and there is nothing for 25, 26. And again, where should I be looking uh, in this document for the services provided by TIMA, which we know in 2024, we are going to try to resolve the tolling and all this other stuff we've been talking about. So where should I be looking at? I, I, Sorry, I, I just want to make sure I'm, I'm pulling up the right page for sure, you. Sure, um, Yes, yes. So if you if you pull up Exhibit C, um, page seven. Yeah. Why why is it not okay? Again, on the spreadsheet here, where you've itemized city attorney, DP, PUC, fire department, recreation. I mean, everything is listed here. Why is that particular item not here? In it, you know, in your spreadsheet. Just in terms of the detail, or yeah, is not, that? Not to even just the hierarchy to point to where we should be going. For example, the development city cost. You've itemized 11 items that here of all these agencies that we interact with, yep. which is great. And I'm, again, those services provided by TIMA is a standalone. Why is it not included? Is there any reason why that is not included on the item? That's just. Sure, so in reference to the question specifically related to TIMA and ongoing support for the uh, mobility um, management authority, uh, so you're correct on, on page seven of exhibit C, um, it, does, it does show zero, um, zero dollars of our budget in support of ongoing TIMA costs. Um, we had been supporting um, TIMA on an annual basis of about $1.5 million a year um, up until this fiscal, actually prior fiscal year 2023. Uh, um, we have made the decision to um, work with the TIMA uh, to see what kind of sources that they have available for them for ongoing studies. Um, it was, uh, it's been a recent decision to not renew their annual uh, memorandum of understanding um, to give additional um, funding because we are 
confident that the, uh, the funding that we've provided to date have enabled them and allowed them to do a lot of extensive studying for tolling that will support uh, hopefully a successful uh, proposal for tolling policies at the board. Uh, however, if they uh, do need additional studies um, and would require additional help outside of sources that they can um, they can raise themselves and do need TIDA support, it would just be uh, a future conversation as to whether our budget can support them. That is interesting. Is that a staff um, decision or whatever? And again, I caught that in this document, and I'm glad you're explaining that, you know, SFCTA because again of TEMA, it's an outstanding um, item uh, here. So if there's going to be a change in policy or direction, uh, at what level should that be addressed? What you're just telling me, and we haven't, because for us here it's important to really know that. I was thinking that in 2024, we were going to be finalizing a lot of the um, outstanding items like the tolling and whatever that needs to be done. And now I'm hearing, I saw in the budget, is nothing is in there. So, and there, there, there is, uh, to, to complete the implementation of the toll, tolling program, uh, there are currently unfunded needs on both the capital side and on the operations and planning side. Um, it is not TIDA's responsibility to fund all of those needs, um, but uh, to work with TIMA uh, to develop a funding plan and sources for those needs. Um, central to that is an adoption by the TIMA board of tolling policies. Uh, we believe that with the adoption of tolling policies where we have uh, a framework that has certainty on the timelines uh, for implementation and the revenues that will be materialized that will open up both grant opportunities and potential debt financing opportunities to complete uh, the work for the, the planning and design. Um, however, at this time, uh, to provide additional resources to the TIMA uh, when policies haven't been adopted, um, uh, that didn't seem to be an appropriate use for TIDA funds. Um, and so, uh, uh, again, the, the, uh, it is not TIDA's obligation to fund the toll system implementation, but we have contributed in the past uh, in conjunction with other sources that TIMA has been able to get uh, grants to help plan for the, 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 the toll system planning as well. Um, so we've been a, a component to the funding plan, but uh, um, at this point, with the work plan that's anticipated in the next year, um, we had not proposed to provide any additional funding to so, the I, okay. So we've been, yeah, so I think it would be great to invite so we can be of the same understanding. Um, yeah, that would be extremely important because, again, we just, as you correctly mentioned, uh, TIDA has been a component of that funding, and is that not going to be the same, you know, moving forward, I think we need to understand that. And lastly, I'm looking at the operations and maintenance uh, for the parks and open space operations of planning. I saw 
only this amount there. And again, in 2024, is that the amount, there is nothing that we are going to be needing? Because the parks and open space planning is an outstanding item that we're looking at and we wanna make sure that we have all the resources to be able to accomplish the goals and objectives that we've all talked about. Again, look at the amount you're budgeting for that. And, and I can speak to that. That, yeah. that might just be a reorganization um, technical change in our budget. So um, because uh, parks and open space um, as an ongoing obligation is, is payable from two um, non-TIDA sources, so the first being the TIECD parks and open space subsidy, as well as this community facilities district special taxes, again, as a non-TIDA authority source. It's actually in the um, TIDA subsidy budget um, portion. And um, if you were to, um, in your exhibit A, it's the last category. Um, and in your uh, exhibit, C, uh, it is on page eight, I believe. 18. Uh, so it's under the subsidy budget under operations and maintenance. Um, and uh, the proposed 25 budget supports $2.118 million um, of of um, funding for um, three different categories in support of um, parks open space. The first is about 100,000 uh, tied to as needed invasive species management. Um, the second and the, um, the largest uh, component is about 1.7 million tied to maintenance of new parks and open spaces that could be directly used for work orders with departments like Rec and Park. It could be used for contractual services uh, to support ongoing maintenance of the new parks. And then a uh, $250,000 component um, tied to uh, parks and open space planning. So that's uh, sort of a, an effort for uh, future um, operations planning. And then apologies, there's for some reason not a label for that $80,000 um, component that's tied to the Department of the Environment related to pest control um, in future future yeah. park spaces. Yeah, the spreadsheet had 80,000, and so we would look at, and this is the draft, and I'm sure there'll be other you know, questions mm -hmm. here. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. Yeah, Ms. Howard. Yeah, thanks. I just wanna say I'm so grateful for you and your staff because um, this kind of detail is one of those things. <laughs> I'm not a very uh, detail and spreadsheets kind of um, make me sweat a little bit, but um, <laughs> Um, yeah, thanks for all of this. I have just a couple of questions. Um, um, on page um, four of your um, uh, slide deck, it says Tida's total expenditures were 4.75 million in 2023. I think that's that is 4.75 under budget. Under budget. Thank okay, you. Great. Sorry, I that just, that was a typo. No, I just wanted to make sure I wasn't reading that wrong. And then another. Thanks. Just had a question about the um, the page eight and the the TIDA operations and maintenance and how different is that than um, personal and admin? And then the admin, it looks like on this one, doesn't match with the spreadsheet number, but I mean, I could dig into that later. Um, 
Just curious, like, what falls under that operations and maintenance? And I think we just saw what that is because it got moved over, the park stuff and all of that. Just curious if there's more detail on that. If you could just. Sure. And sorry, are you, are you looking at uh, the operation maintenance line of? Well, I was looking at the t authority cost. It says personnel and admin. I assume that's TIDA personnel that's and correct. admin, right? Which that's is correct. Then on the spreadsheet, it looks like. Titus F salaries and fringe benefits doesn't add up to match. That. Yep, yep, yep. Um, so I should probably be more descriptive of personnel and admin. Um, so the the authority cost personnel and admin, um, and I can I can look back at at the backup of this figure, but it should include staff salaries and fringe benefits, which you'll see in your spreadsheet in Exhibit A is about three and a half million. Um, in in sort of the global category of administrative costs, it includes things like staff training, um, uh, su uh, office supplies, um, as well as equipment leases, and sort of a broader scale of what covers administration costs. Um, and I think that is probably the personal and admin feels a little too. Um, uh, narrow as to what I think that seven million dollars includes, um, but uh, uh, so I can I can provide the backup detail there um, on the tie to operations and maintenance amount. So that's six million dollar figure. Um, so that is tied to the uh, if you're looking at the authority cost budget on Exhibit A, the operation and maintenance category under fiscal year 2025. Is five point nine million four hundred forty-four thousand six hundred seventy-one. Um, the detail of that is about three million dollars is tied to building maintenance contracts. So these are um, both contracts as well as um, direct work orders with the Department of Public Works to maintain uh, the current um, the current portfolio of assets that TIDA oversees. Um, about $200,000 of this budget is tied to city attorney legal fees um, for, again, TIDA's own operations, um, not directly development focused. About $1.1 million of that is tied to SFP utilities and maintenance. Um, this is for the existing Navy legacy system that we oversee. Um, about $840,000 is tied to uh, public works operations, so that's, um, and apologies, that's actually related to work orders related to uh, public works staff that oversee our buildings. And then um, about 830,000 allocation is related to um, a, a debt service payment um, that is tied to a possible, um, possible debt funding that TIDA um, may, uh, may enter into uh, and I should say may because it hasn't happened yet, um, related to issuing commercial paper to potentially cover uh, the procurement of a submarine cable um, that currently is within the PUC's ownership. And so that 830,000 is tied to ongoing annual debt service payments related to that loan. Yeah, thank you so much. And then, yeah, so there's that, that, then that category of personnel and um, personnel and whatever else, else uh, personnel. Mm -hmm. I mean, it sounds like it's, it's including, like, as um, Director Richardson brought up, that other professional services that... It does, yeah. yeah. It does, but you are correct. It doesn't exactly match what's on slide eight, so apologies. That's a 
that's an oversight. No, and thanks again for your um, all your hard work on this. I know it's um, a hard process, so yeah. thank you. Yeah, and thank, thank you. you, Jamie, for you and your staff um, on working on this. You know, I, I think just I have some specific questions, and I have it uh, maybe a slightly <laughs> overview of what we're going through and the sorts of things that interest this board. And I'm also looking at the time. So, uh, but I would say, you know, what we're trying to do um, when we look at this budget is to tie it to the issues that are of concern to us as a board. Um, and, and those concerns really have to do with affordable housing, with transit, which, um, uh, which Linda had mentioned as well, um, to the parks and open space, to the um, community services and to the arts program. Um, these are general areas of policy and we want to make sure that there is the budget to support the policies and the programs that we would like to put forth. Um, I'm sure that there's going to be more questions um, as we go through this, but um, I think that that is certainly how I'm looking at this budget, is really to see, is it supporting the policies that we would like to see you know, um, from TIDA? Um, uh, just going to specific questions, um, has the, have there been any response from our partner, TICD, on this proposed budget? And if so, what questions and issues um, have they raised? So the proposed budget has been shared with TICD. Uh, I think just given the fact that you know, we, we noticed it right after the holidays. We haven't had the, um, the time to sit down with them to review any of their questions and concerns. Um, so I'm not aware of, um, of any that they've brought forward. Um, but uh, if there are, uh, we will highlight that definitely in the February proposal and share um, any comments that they have uh, ahead of the February 14th. Thank you, I appreciate um, ahead of the February 14th meeting just so that we are alerted to any um, possible issues or disagreements that they may have. Um, the other thing has to do with the housing subsidy, um, and you made a comment that um, there's funds from our housing subsidy, which I guess comes from the, our partners, the, the private development side. That's correct. Um, to the housing subsidy, and then that it goes to the mayor's office of housing for affordable housing, um, and is it, affordable housing on Treasure Island. It's not affordable housing, Mayor's Office correct. of Housing. That's right, so the, that is correct. Okay. I wanted to very specifically yep. um, make sure that that was the case. Um, and then um, in terms of the equity program, which is a new um, staffing and new program, I guess that we're doing with the planning department, we haven't heard too much about that. What is the total cost that is being proposed for that? And I see that there's a cost for this year, but then it increases in the following years. I'm in 25. Um, so the the um, the current um, scope of work that we have with the planning department um, and the part-time planning department staff that um, are assisting with the equity program 
actually is reflected in fiscal year 24's budget as well as fiscal year 25's budget. Um, it's about 175,000 this fiscal year um, and about $200,000 for next fiscal year, fiscal year 25. And then we have not extended um, the work order, so it doesn't um, it doesn't show as a line item for fiscal year 26. Um, but that's a, a policy decision we can make um, over the course of this year and next year and reflect it in future year budget proposals. Um, and I, I would like um, appreciate a report on that as to what we are going to be accomplishing in the equity program, what are the um, plans for it. Um, it, it is true that uh, certainly community building is a very important thing that we have to do on this island. It's not just about housing, building, um, buildings. It is about the connections um, in the community and how you can support that. But I've, I don't think we've seen a work program. I don't think we've you know, had any real discussion about this. So I think um, that's something, since we're voting to fund this new thing, let's know what that new thing is going to encompass. Um, the other thing, um, the final question that I have has to do with the, we have many community serving programs and certainly we support um, One Treasure Island, we support the YMCA, we support the um, yeah, job programs, which is part of the equity work that we're doing. Um, but um, the question that I have here is that this is coming from the from our budget. It's coming from primarily it's the subsidies that were negotiated to support these type of services um, from our partner um, TICD. Is that true? It's it comes from the subsidies. It's a portion, um, portion, not entire, not not That's all right. of the um, community serving programs mm -hmm. that we support are um, payable from the DDA subsidies. So it is it is true that a, a portion of um, our budget that supports these on island programs are funded by Treasure Island right. um, Authority revenues. And and so I I would like you know to have some discussion. Um, uh, and maybe it's over the course of a year of what we're thinking in terms of those um, community and social service programs um, and how they will extend in future years, um, you know, really looking at what we provide on the island, what is needed, um, what needs to be supplemented, um, and, uh, you know, to have some look at the programs that we have in total. I mean, we do get reports, but in total, how much are we supporting um, as far as these programs are concerned? And, um, and also, how much does it come from Treasure Island, but how much does it come from services, I mean, I'm sorry, funding from the city? Now, we don't take money from the general fund. I mean, we are to be self-sustaining. But as our community grows, and becomes a part of San Francisco, um, is, there a, uh, is there a plan for how we can continue these services for um, a, larger, a larger population? Yeah, uh, commissioners, and, and just you're drawing to mind that something I maybe could have mentioned in the presentation about the equity program is that we're kind of dip, testing the waters on that idea with the equity work and that we're getting 
uh, halftime planners from the planning department, and we're paying for those this year, but we are seeking to get them uh, paid by the planning department in the future. So that's a conversation that we've had with the planning director about transitioning from a title-led and solely title-supported to pouring in city resources. And it's something that's a little slow in going, but it's, I think, a, a model for us to encourage all of our agency partners to work with us in serving Treasure Island residents as if they are San Francisco residents, right, they are. because they are. That's right. Thank you. Yeah, and that's the direction of, you know, what my thinking is, is how, when, how, when do we integrate the services that we provide on Treasure Island with the rest of the city? Thank you, Chair Sen, so, and it's, it's very top of mind, that last point, and um, we've been discussing that very point internally, so um, hopefully we can speak more about it over the coming year. Um, so I would say that if anybody has specific questions instead of taking this time, then to direct them directly to you and your staff, and thank you for all of your hard work on this, and um, we look forward to next um, February. Um, thank you. We will discuss it further. Thank you. Um, thank you. Okay. Uh, is there any comment from the public? Okay, hearing none, next item, please. Item number nine, small business enterprise report update. All right, Joey Benassini uh, will be given this update. <coughs> Hello, Joey. Good and afternoon. Are you a new staff? Yeah, I've been here about four months now with Tida. Well, welcome. I think you have presented Just on one item, yeah, on the ferry terminal. Good to see you again. Thank you. And just, Joey is our new vertical project manager. So he's been working with kind of herding cats with various vertical development, private vertical development projects. Um, as well as uh, working with on planning for our affordable housing projects. Um, and uh, it's due to his efforts that uh, we have a, an update on the, the um, SBE performance on the vertical projects. It's, it's not where we want it to be, but we are seeking uh, and, and have begun to receive recovery plans uh, from those vertical developers as well. Um, but uh, Joy will lead you through that. All right. Good afternoon, uh, TIDA board members. I'm Joey Benassini, Vertical Development Project Manager at TIDA, and this item is a follow-up report about the small business enterprise work and program implementation on Treasure Island and Yerba Buena Island. Uh, since the last presentation on the SBE program implementation in September 23, um, TIDA has been working to improve administration of the SBE program reporting, monitoring, and compliance as well. And this presentation will review the launch of a much anticipated SBE mentorship program for Treasure Island and Yerba Buena Island, uh, newly submitted data on calendar year 2022 SBE participation, recent SBE programmatic changes implemented by TIDA and upcoming opportunities for SBEs to compete for work on projects. Uh, so in the final quarter of 2023, TIDA, uh, the Contracts Monitoring Division, and TICD worked together to finalize a plan to implement the model mentorship program required by the Jobs and Equal Opportunity Program of the DDA. Uh, 
CMD currently operates a mentor protege program or MPP for short that pairs local business enterprises with prime consultants or contractors who can help uh, local businesses develop and improve their business practices. The mentor pro or protege program administered by C CMD is an excellent program that TIDA desired to replicate. Um, and we contacted CMD about their program and the they CMD agreed. CMD again? Contract monitoring. Uh, contracts monitoring division. Oh, right. And they agreed to help us administer the program on behalf of TIDA and TICD uh, with funding from TIDA and C TICD as well. So I'll now give you a brief overview of the program and how it works. Uh, at the start of each mentorship program cycle, CMD pairs certified SBEs, the protege, with prime consultants or contractors, which are the mentors, and in the, they work in the same or similar fields. The pair works together to develop an action plan that outlines a path with milestones for development. Each action plan covers a range of professional growth topics, including organization and structure, leadership development, financial and business infrastructure, insurance and bonding, uh, networking and community engagement as well. Mentors and protégés commit to working together for two years, and during that time they will form a relationship based on the protégé's professional growth, um, and those pairs who have been selected for the program are collectively referred to as a cohort for those two years. The cohort typically consists of five to 10 pairings, and each pairing is matched by the program managers at CMD based on a number of factors, which include but are not limited to industry areas, professional growth areas, and areas of expertise. The two-year commitment requires each pair to complete and sign a Memorandum of Understanding, or MOU, that outlines how they'll work together. A copy of the MOU template is included in uh, this report as attachment one. Um, and mentors and protégés must meet a minimum of one time per month to discuss their goals and progress as well. Um, it does not limit them from meeting more often, and they must also submit quarterly reports to a steering committee, providing insight and findings with regard to their progress and milestones. Successful pairs often connect more frequently to identify areas of improvement, track improvement, and identify samples of success as well. After the two-year period, each pair is eligible for graduation from the program, and the expect expectation is that uh, each SBE who graduates is in a position to bid as a contractor or consultant on city and county of San Francisco contracts. Uh, so for the budget impact, it's anticipated that the program will require a full-time compliance officer staffed by CMD during a four to six month period while they're matching the mentors and protege. And after that, a compliance officer um, from CMD will only be needed about half time, is what they told us, to administer the program over the remaining two year duration. And the annualized cost of that was, is estimated to be $100,000 to $150,000 per year. Um, TICD has agreed to confer with all the vertical developers currently working on the island and solicit funding from each to assist in funding the mentorship program, and the intent is to split the remaining cost amongst, uh, uh, you know, TICD and TIDA as well. TIDA has budgeted $95,000 in the past, or 2023 to 2024 uh, fiscal year for the SBE LBE program, which will be sufficient to fund 
tied a share of the mentorship program cost and a similar amount will be allocated um, in the following fiscal year. And in terms of the timeline, TIDA needs to just review and finalize the financing with TICD and implement a work order um, and MOU with uh, the contracts monitoring division before this is, can get started. And it's anticipated that will be achieved by the second quarter at the latest of 2024. And the first cohort of mentors and protégés will be formed this year or this calendar year. Uh, so moving on to the next topic, in September 2023, TIDA had only received limited SBE report data from TICD, uh, but not from other vertical developers working on the island. In reviewing the horizontal SBE report, it is clear that the horizontal work has mostly met the requirements for SBE participation, with the exception of the calendar year 2022 construction work. Um, and all the SBE participation goals were met uh, when looking at the cumulative work for all years. So for construction, the goal is 41% participation of all contracts for construction. And then for professional services, it's 38%. Um, since this past September, TIDA received additional 2022 SB reports from TICD and the vertical developers with active projects on the islands. The SB reports contain summary data of the uh, SBE participation rates for both professional services and construction. And the new reports received for vertical development showed SBE participation that did not meet the goals set forth in the DDA. The vertical developers um, didn't meet the goals for construction or professional services, as you see in the chart. Tider requested recovery plans from de developers who did not meet their participation goals and those plans will identify all upcoming work to be awarded still, their strategy for compliance with the SB procedures, and explanation of reasons why they didn't meet the goals. Uh, we just received two of those recovery plans, but have yet to review them. So we'll, we expect the rest of the plans by this week or early next, and we'll complete the review by next month. The horizontal and vertical contractors appear to be, and developers appear to be tracking the contract data extensively, which is helpful, but TIDA is now very focused on early engagement with the developers, especially during pre-construction, uh, to make sure that the developers are aware of the program requirements and that TIDA can review work packages and provide feedback on ways to engage more SBE contractors and consultants if it appears they're not gonna meet their goals before the work is awarded. So since the last update on the SBE program implementation, uh, several improvements have also been made to improve compliance and outcomes. Uh, the first is that TIDA reminded developers of their responsibilities under the jobs EOP and SBE procedures for monitoring and compliance. TIDA also followed up with each developer to acquire missing SBE reports and data for calendar year 2022 and sorted the data. And the next um, calendar year of data is due to us in March of this year for 2023. Uh, TIDA also requested SBE recovery plans from developers who didn't meet their participation goals, which will identify, or I kind of went over it already, but it'll identify all the upcoming work to be awarded, uh, strategy for compliance and explanation of reasons why they didn't meet their goals. And TIDA also um, 
uh, modified the forms that are provided for reporting SBE data, uh, which was originally formatted as PDFs, but Tida converted those to a spreadsheet format, which uses collecting and sorting of data from general contractors and the prime consultants as well. Uh, Tida also developed, or Tida also developed a plan to implement the mentorship program as described earlier. And for upcoming bid opportunities for SBE contractors, we have the Cultural Park on Treasure Island and the Beach Park on Yerba Buena Island coming up soon in the first half of 2024. Some uh, work packages were just uh, put out for bid for Isle House, and um, they're still finalizing their selection of the bidder for those work packages on that project. But the SBE plan should... Um, highlight any upcoming work from the vertical developers that we can advertise for SVEs to bid on. And then in conclusion, I'll uh, return to the purpose of the program. Uh, we believe that a strong commitment to SBE compliance and participation helps boost the reputations of Treasure Island stakeholders like TIDA, TICD, and the project development overall. Seeing significant percentages of contracts go to local, small, and diverse businesses makes a statement that Treasure Island development embraces equity and economic opportunity. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Yes. Um, I'll open it up to the board for comments or questions. Go uh, ahead, Linda. Yeah, thank you so much for the presentation. Just briefly, the partnership with CMD, I think, is very constructive. Uh, they've been asking for that for a long time. And given the statistics, uh, some of the shortfalls for the vertical developers, I'm sure that CMD will be able to help in that area. That's all they do all day long in trying to match. Uh, they have the database of the SBs, and so that, that is a good uh, direction moving forward. Uh, in this report for the LBE, um, one of the nagging issues is the micro LBE. And where are we with that? Is CMD also helping in that arena as well? Yeah, they're, um, the mentor protege program that CMD runs is actually specific only to micro um, LBE, LBEs. That's not um, per our DDA. We're not required um, to just get participation from micro LBEs. Um, it's uh, SBEs, which has a higher threshold, but they, CMD has a variety of resources to reach out to and uh, be able to uh, solicit bids from. Yeah, the, uh, the micro, from they the are also LBEs. They're just on the lower threshold. Mm -hmm. I think for us moving forward, uh, before you came on board, we there were all these series of meetings and folks coming to TIDA to do that. And I know that the director that's also on the agenda for 2024, it, it's important to make sure that what we discussed and some of the suggestion, for instance, the micro LBEs that the church and some of those small projects that we kind of follow up on, on those. And I think we are moving in the right direction, but that cannot be an annotation. It is essential because they are LBEs, they are LBOs. They're just not in the part. Yes, we are trying to help the SBE move forward, but everything with those three letter words and SBELBE must graduate to the SBE, you know, you understand what I mean. So I just wanna make sure that that is in here because they're gonna come out here and while we're putting all these things forward, 
we already, the director is already uh, talking with them, and so let's make sure they are not, they are included overall. So thank you so much. I was gonna um, say the same thing, <laughs> Dr. Richardson, um, just about the, um, I know we mentioned, we talked about this a while ago, but just there are goals for the SBEs, but I wonder if we have, we've thought about goals for the LBEs and then the micro. And we, I think we had a, I looked at the um, informational stuff that was included in our packet this time. It looked like the micro was micro. It was very small amount of the SBEs. So just curious if, if we've given any thought to establishing goals for LBEs or micro. Um, we, we uh, well, so the, under under our SBE program, the the threshold for the SBE and LBE are are the same um, in terms of dollar amount. It's just that the SBE is not necessarily limited to the San Francisco um, uh, uh, businesses, but um, we have uh, increased our, our coordination with TICD about the uh, the language in the SBE program that. Um, calls for them to give, uh, to, to really target LBEs and, and to give first consideration to LBEs, San Francisco-based LBEs. Um, the policy uh, uh, predates the, the micro-LBE, our, 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 the program that was developed for Treasure Island predates uh, the creation of the micro-LBE. Um, we, we currently are not proposing to uh, incorporate that into our program, um, but uh, carrying that as uh, uh, a priority uh, and, and, and consideration when we when we review, for instance, the recovery plans that are coming in, and the outreach efforts that are proposed prior to bidding, um, to to give consideration for where there may be uh, opportunities for micro LBEs. Mm -hmm. Great, thanks. And um, just one um, final just question about this mentorship program. Do you have, um, do you think that that's, there's been a, are people kind of really excited about this and clamoring and it says much anticipated. I'm just wondering if it's much anticipated by the, the um, SBE or LBE and micro um, yeah, I think yeah. It, and, then, it, and then just thinking about that, it's a two-year commitment and two years is a, you know, and, and then the opportunity to be kind of engaged in, in bidding on these things. Just, yeah, just curious your thoughts on that and if you have any idea of, hmm. of the um, anticipated participation in this program. Yeah, and chatting with the director of CMD, uh, Stephanie Tang, she's uh, mentioned that there has been a lot of interest in SBs and, and micro LBs on, about working on Treasure Island specifically um, and all the action that's going on out there with the, the projects and horizontal development as well. So I think the interest is there and CMD um, has the ability to, you know, pair the, the micro LBEs and the SBs with the contractors and um, prime consultants that we have on Treasure Island right now. Uh, which the developer will provide that that connection for as well. Yeah, um, that's great. Thanks so much. I really appreciate um, the work on this. So thank you. Mm -hmm. um, 
Yeah, I, and I think the important things, especially for the micro and the, because their threshold of their um, work and experience is maybe limited, is really connecting them. And that mentorship is really important. It's also making sure that there's information and outreach as bidding opportunities, you know, come up. Um, not all of the uh, all of the contracts are um, are appropriate, you know, for some of those services. Um, but when the appropriate contracts do come up, and we do have some that are coming up soon. Uh, to make sure that it is extensive outreach to mm. these groups so that they know about it and can prepare for them, yeah. Certainly. But, um, but I think this is a goal. There's so much development is going to occur on Treasure Island, and we want to make sure that those economic opportunities are certainly spread to people um, who can benefit from it and that, you know, that there's economic... Um, uh, profit that comes from the work that we're doing on Treasure Island. Yeah. Thank you very much. Um, we'll take comments from the public. Okay. Hearing none, next item, please. Item number 10, looking back at 2023 and forward to 2024. Thank, thank you, directors. This is something we traditionally do uh, each January, and I know it's it's been a full day, so I'll I'll, uh, I'll move pretty quickly um, when we have the presentation up. But um, it's good to reflect on on how much has has changed and occurred in the past year, um, and you know how dramatically different uh, things may be by the end of end of the current year. So uh, I've kind of broken this up into to areas of work uh, on the infrastructure side. Uh, this past year, uh, work has really been uh, focused on closing out the street improvement permits for YBI and, and TI subphase one. Uh, that includes the roadways, utilities, um, uh, stormwater gardens, all, the, all of the kind of public infrastructure. Um, uh, we we had issued uh, public works issued a license to open the roadways within TI subphase one in January, uh, which was needed in order for us to to achieve uh, to the TCO for Maceo May apartments. Um, so again, a year ago, uh, traffic was still driving along the waterfront uh, on the former Avenue of the Palms. Uh, so uh, that that change occurred this year. Um, uh, Public Works issued its notice completion later in the year and uh, formally introduced the acceptance legislation of the Board of Supervisors in December. Um, and uh, also notably this last year, uh, the PUC did begin construction of the new wastewater treatment plant. Uh, that's kind of the last cornerstone uh, key infrastructure. We have the new water storage reservoirs. We have the new electrical switchyard on the island uh, replacing the historical uh, wastewater treatment plant is is the last of the the, the major cornerstone uh, infrastructure components uh, so it's very good to see that um, moving forward and uh, when it's completed then tidal will no longer be in the wastewater treatment <laughs> business uh, we'll, we'll still be in the wastewater collection business but but out of the wastewater treatment business so uh, good news for us. Um, 
In 2024, uh, I mentioned that the the uh, acceptance legislation has been uh, introduced to the Board of Supervisors. Um, tentatively, we expect that to be heard in committee before the end of this month. Um, it, it has two readings that the, because it's an ordinance, it has two, two readings at the Board of Supervisors um, and then a 30-day hold before it becomes active. But we anticipate it being effective uh, in the middle of March. Um, with, with that acceptance completed, uh, the new roadways, traffic signals and signage, utilities, water reservoirs, and, and other related infrastructure will become assets of uh, public works, MTA, public utilities, uh, and other appropriate agencies. So these will officially be city streets. Um, and uh, kind of some of our conversations during the budget cycle, you know, these, you know, it's now public works uh, budget uh, responsibility to sweep those streets and, and so forth. Um, that'll also open the door uh, with MTA to uh, install parking meters and, and begin enforcement on, on those streets as well. So uh, a, a moment of transition there. Uh, also on, on the infrastructure front, uh, you know, we're planning for subphase three, um, the, the surcharging of, of trade winds uh, on the north side of hangars two and three uh, is underway. Um, the, the vibratory compaction of, of the areas north of the hangars has, has largely been completed. Uh, we expect the, the start of stage two infrastructure will begin in late 2024. Uh, subject to, to funding availability. Um, and as I mentioned uh, in response to Director uh, Richardson's questions earlier, we've been working with the Office of Economic and Workforce Development and TICD on, on amendments to the DDA, which are really intended to improve the pace of public financing reimbursements uh, so that those dollars can go back into the, the infrastructure for the next subphase. Um, there will also be some uh, ancillary and related amendments that are in, uh, in, uh, intended to bolster uh, program viability and sustainability. On YBI, uh, we had another uh, sequence of, of big moves or big shifts uh, this, this past year. Um, in May, the, uh, the new eastbound off-ramps uh, on the right-hand side of the bridge opened up. Uh, and that allowed us to, to close the, uh, the eastbound ramps, uh, eastbound off ramps on the, on the left-hand side of the bridge. Um, and then uh, in, in June and then in August with the um, uh, uh, opening of the forest road detour over the top of the hill, uh, the, uh, the TA began uh, construction of the the West Side Bridges projects and closed uh, Treasure Island Road south of McCalla. Um, uh, in the first quarter of this year, uh, we expect the TA will will um, advertise the the Hillcrest widening project. Uh, this is a project that that we have a, a grant from um, Housing and Community Developments. Uh, infill infrastructure grant program for funding for this, um, but it closes the, the, the segment between the, the new eastbound off-ramps and the west side bridges project. And so uh, that project will also be moving forward. So during the, const 
construction of west side bridges in Hillcrest, we're, we're currently using uh, this uh, access uh, with access into the city from the, from the 2016 westbound ramps uh, and access to the East Bay from the new eastbound ramps project on the, the south side of uh, Yerba Buena Island. On the vertical front, uh, you know, our, our, our big milestone and celebration for um, Treasure Island was the opening of Maceo May Apartments in February. Uh, and they achieved 100% occupancy in August. Um, there's also been significant uh, progress across multiple sites that broke ground in 2022. Um, and uh, many of those projects will be complete, coming to completion in 24. I'll, I'll touch on those on the next slide. Um, but also uh, uh, within the this, this subphase three area, uh, we have three additional affordable sites and pre-development began on, on uh, the uh, senior housing site and behavioral health building that are gonna be uh, constructed uh, on what is currently parcel E 1.2, just north of Hangar 3. Um, and then we also uh, got pre-development uh, loan approval from Mayor's Office of Housing uh, for our next building, which as I mentioned earlier, is going to be uh, home, uh, provide transition homes uh, for uh, half of our current uh, home rise residents uh, we'll be moving into IC 4.3. That uh, project will also be include a uh, new child care uh, center serving the island as well. Um, <clears throat> in terms of, of project completions this coming year, uh, the, the YBI flats and townhomes adjacent to the Bristol, uh, the first uh, several of those buildings will uh, uh, expected the first building is expected to get its TCO uh, by the end of this month with additional buildings receiving TCO uh, in February and March. Um, Starview Court uh, is expected to receive its temporary certificate of occupancy in June, which will open us uh, up for relocating our current Catholic Charities residents and uh, several, um, uh, a few dozen uh, villages households into uh, Starview Court. Um, the Isle House and Hawkins will achieve occupancy in the fall of 2024. These are both rental properties uh, and the inclusionary rental opportunities there are also great uh, opportunities for um, current market rate residents that may income qualify uh, to, to um, uh, secure uh, permanent housing on the island. And so we really want to make sure that we're, we're publicizing those opportunities and working uh, intently, intensely with uh, the, those developers during the pre-marketing window for those buildings. Um, <clears throat> the pre-marketing is also expected to begin for uh, our first Treasure Island condominium project, the Portico. Um, which is uh, just north of Starview Court, I'm sorry, just west of Starview Court. Um, that should begin, pre-marketing will begin before the end of the year and, and expected to get uh, occupancy in early 2025. Um, we'll also be working to advance uh, the design for the behavioral health building and um, the, the uh, 
IC 4.3 um, building, which will be the new uh, new permanent home for, uh, as I said, half of our home-rise residents. Within the parks, uh, we, we did get uh, Board of Supervisors acceptance of our first park, the, the Boulders Dog Park. Um, we've also achieved NOC uh, with Public Works for the Hilltop Park, Stormwater Gardens, uh, and Causeway Park, and those will be going to the Board of Supervisors for acceptance. Uh, we expect to have acceptance of Hilltop Park in, in March um, as well. Um, and the uh, TICD has awarded the contract for construction of Cityside Park, and as Joey just said, uh, they're preparing to advertise for the Cultural Park uh, as well as YBI Beach Park um, <clears throat> uh, here early this year. Um, with acceptance, we, we expect to, to open the Hilltop Parks, the Causeway, uh, and Waterfront Plaza. Um, <clears throat> and it's going to be exciting to see, uh, although the Cityside Park will not be completed this year, uh, to, to see that begin to take form. And that's a, a rendering uh, a aerial shot of <clears throat> what the design of those first two blocks of Cityside Park are anticipated to, to look like. Um, other priorities uh, for 2024 um, uh, with with the opening of, of all of these parks, uh, we, we have been having ongoing conversations about uh, parks governance, uh, a parks code for, for regulation of, of activities and behaviors in the parks, as well as uh, parks planning for operation and maintenance. Um, we uh, discussed earlier today the, the equity work that we uh, have been doing with One Treasure Island and plan to uh, expand upon with uh, support from the planning department. Um, also, uh, as Director Richardson mentioned during the budget discussion, um, advancing the congestion management uh, tolling policy discussions will, will be critical, um, as well as um, we do uh, with the, upon completion of the DDA amendments, we do also want to, to uh, revitalize our discussions with the Department of Labor about uh, uh, potentially incorporating uh, the development of the Job Corps site into the program. Uh, and then the, finally, um, the, the marina has filed its permit applications with BCDC um, and will be in coordination with TIE, Treasure Island Enterprises, uh, as they move through that permitting process and hopefully into construction before the end of the year. Um, so um, the, the, a lot of, a lot of uh, big activities, a lot of big transitions. Um, with the completion of the portico, um, uh, Isle House, uh, Starview Court, uh, Hawkins, we anticipate uh, we'll have 745 additional units completed uh, by the first quarter of 2025. Wow. So uh, a, a big shift will, will be um, roughly uh, one eighth of our way through the vertical development, new vertical development. So Wonderful. Um, uh, exciting year ahead of us. Yeah, exciting year. Thank you so much for that report. and. Um, much to celebrate and we have to make sure that we do take the opportunity to stop and celebrate the progress that we've made um, 
it's good public relations for us as well. So we look forward to the official opening of Hilltop Park um, and, and Sydney Cityside Park um, coming soon and all the various housing developments. It's absolutely great, wonderful. Okay, um, any comments and questions? Yes. Yeah. Thank you, uh, Mr. Beck. Whoa, what a great um, accomplishment for 2023. 20, uh, there are a couple of items that actually I would suggest you add to the accomplishment. Um, the infrastructure financing district, Treasure Island is the one that is leading the state on that. And I think in 2023, we were given a second opportunity uh, just recently again to have the San Francisco Board of Supervisors. I think it's extremely important that we put that in our document because this particular form of financing is being watched all over the state. And so we are uh, something there. Also, I did not see the autonomous pilot vehicle. That is also, it's ongoing. Uh, let's put that in the uh, in document that you know we have. And Sujimoto, sculpture should not even be an annotation. It's a big deal and in fact it's going to become the landmark reference. So let's put that there. I know that uh, in 2024 it's when we're going to open that place. That sculpture in itself is a defining uh, moment and a teachable moment, whatever we want to call it. There's nothing like that. Um, in San Francisco or the Bay Area. So let's put that in there because people are going to be looking at all these wonderful things that you've done and some folks might just wanna look at the Sojimoto there and give you a call as to how we were able to pull that up. It's a lot of efforts to that and I know that um, Commissioner Shen worked very hard in order to make sure that um, that sculpture was made possible. And the other stuff I did not see you need to include, now that the San Francisco, they're talking about equity. We, most of the work that we've been doing here are the actually incorporated equity. We have this ongoing workforce development and we are funding uh, One Treasure Island. That program is bringing at-risk youth and adult. And we've been doing it for years now. We are the only one in San Francisco that is continue to do that you know, program, and it seems like we need to educate the rest of the city because that is a true equity, taking people from prison, taking people that are just on the fringe, and getting them into construction, getting them, that is part of the successes of the equity, so it should have on your report, ongoing, because I'm, we're gonna have to elaborate on that, when we look at the equity with the San Francisco planning, I know what they are trying to do there, and we already have a lot of equity uh, programs that we are doing here, the community services that Commissioner Shen mentioned, uh, you know, those are part of that, and we need to produce a report so that 50% of what they are asking, we've already accomplished even more of that. And so, please, that needs to be included uh, in this report again. Thank you and the staff um, for all the great work that you have been doing and um, 2024 is gonna be very exciting. Thank you. No other comments? Any comments from the public? Hearing none? 
Item number Thank 11, discussion of future agenda items by directors. I think that we have a board retreat coming up where we will delve further into all these issues. And um, yeah, but, but I, I trust that all of you have that on your uh, calendars um, because that's, that will be the first time that this board will have had such a session. So thank you. Next item. Item 12 is to adjourn. Thank you all for a great meeting. Thank you, Commissioner.